welcome to Deuteronomy chapter number 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. I'm really excited to be able to preach. A lot of conferences room we don't get to preach, so it's, this is a great honor and a great opportunity. And uh, I want to preach on the subject of overcoming fear. You know, a lot of times I've, I've been in a lot of missions conferences in the past couple years. And a lot of missions conferences, one thing I've noticed is they can be kind of a scary thing. And let me relate it to something. Uh, when I was at Vision, the church I'm sent out of, you know, the whole time I was there, I worked with the youth. I was never like the youth pastor, but I always helped them and did different things. And so they're going to Six Flags in Atlanta. And I was like, sure, I'll, I'll come and help. And I remember I had this group of teenagers and I had went to an amusement park one time in my life. I was eight years old. It's the only time I've ever been. And my dad hated amusement parks. He just hated amusement, right? Um, but, uh... So I remember when I was eight, I rode all the roller coasters. I had a time of my life. It was so much fun. So I remember we we're going here, and all these teens are excited. They, they, go to the, they go to Six Flags all the time. So they say, you know what? We need to go to the, do Goliath first thing first. Do Goliath. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know, let, let's go for it. And I remember we got in there. We were pretty early, so we are like one of the first ones in line. And uh, I guess we were the test run for the day. I don't know. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you get in there, and we sat right up front. And uh, I was like, I remember roller coasters. Well, if you know much about Six Flags in Atlanta, it's a few miles outside of, the, you know, the city. And I remember going up, and it didn't stop going up. You know what I mean? It just kept on going up. And then I remember I'm, I, we're going up, and I'm like, okay, this isn't, this isn't good, right? And also I look over, and I'm like, that's downtown Atlanta. That's like 15 miles away. What is going on, okay? And we're going up, and it, I felt like for 30 minutes we were going straight up. But then we weren't going up anymore. Instead, I just saw the thing start turning this way. And then it started going down. And then I couldn't see the bottom. I'll be honest with you, I was so scared. I couldn't scream. I did this number. I was like, <laughs> and I closed my eyes. I remember that was the worst thing ever. But you know what? I'm glad we got that over, and then we went to like a kitty roller coaster, okay? And I was like, now this is fun, right? Uh, it's got nice little hills. I can, I'm, I'm comfortable here. But by the end of the day, we had been riding roller coasters all day. I was doing Goliath time and time again. I had the time of my life. But you know, oftentimes missions conferences are like that. We go into a missions conference and we're like, I'm afraid to even go to maybe even be faithful because what will God ask me to do during that conference? You know, you go up and, and, and at first you hear the preaching and God starts speaking to your heart and you're like, oh, this is, this is horrible. I don't know if I could do that. This might be a little bit too much. I don't know. This might, this might get a little bit out of my comfort zone. But you know, if you just keep doing what God tells you to do, you'll have the time of your life. You really will. Life is actually fun. I didn't think so at first, but it is. And you know, here in the, the text that I, uh, I believe the Lord wants me to preach in Deuteronomy chapter number 7, if you would stand for the honor of uh, God, the reading of God's word, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter number 7, he says in verse number 16, he says, And thou shalt consume all the people which the Lord thy God shall deliver thee. Thine eyes shall have no pity upon them, neither shalt thou serve their gods, for that will be a snare unto thee. Verse number 17 says, If thou shalt say in thine heart, These nations are more than I, how can I dispossess them? The answer in verse number 18 is simply, Thou shalt not be afraid of them. Lord, I thank you so much for this evening. I thank you for bringing your people together to worship you, to hear from you. Lord, I pray you'd help us. 
Lord, I pray we wouldn't let fear stop us from doing what you want us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. You know, when I first moved down to Georgia from Cincinnati, I had a, I had a major encounter with fear, even greater than the one I said just a minute ago. You see, I had grown up and I always had one issue that I had from the time I can remember until the time I moved down to Georgia. And this issue was I was terrified, terrified to talk to girls. It was a problem, all right? Maybe not too much of a problem when I was a teenager, but it was a problem when you're 22 years old, right? Uh, And I remember my very first Sunday at Vision, and I was watching as people started coming in. You know, I was just watching and kind of introduced myself to different people, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the most stunningly beautiful woman in the entire world walked into church about five minutes before it started. She was, she was early that day. That was unusual. Uh, and this person I'm talking about is my wife, Mackenzie. And if you were here, you would be like, yes, she is stunningly gorgeous because that's what she is. And as I got to meet Mackenzie, I realized and found out that she's from the Cincinnati, Ohio area just like me. That's a, that's a really big deal for me. She loved Skyline Chili. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, a couple of people were raising their hand. If you don't, you'll understand why that's a big deal. Uh, or if you do know what it is, that's a big deal. Because not everybody likes it, but it makes up about 33% of my blood. And uh, I found out she was really good at basketball. Uh, my wife's about, I don't know, I always get this wrong. But I think she's about 5'4". She's not very tall. But my wife is a Division Four Player of the Year for the state of Ohio her senior year. She's great at basketball. You may say, why does that matter? I love basketball, but I'm horrible at it. I can't dribble, shoot, or pass. Uh, Brother Nate in a Sunday school was bashing me. I don't know where you might be behind me. You were bashing me hardcore saying you can't teach somebody to pass if you can't do it. I don't know what I'm going to do with Oliver. Thank God I married McKenzie because now I have a solution, right? Uh, she was there studying to be a missionary because she believed that's what God wanted her to do. She loved Jesus. She wanted to be a missionary. She was the perfect person for me. But I had a problem. I couldn't hardly talk to her. All this information I found out from other people. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was so bad with this, this problem. I had a girlfriend one time before that. And, uh, but my girlfriend, my sister asked her out for me. My sister also broke up with her for me, too. She, whole thing. I, I don't even think we really said more than 13 words and we dated a month. Uh, it, was, it was bad. I wanted, to, I wanted to be with Mackenzie really bad. I did. She was a perfect person for me. That was a good thing to do. So I would, I would convince myself. I would pet myself, uh, give myself a pep talk in the mirror on, when I'm on my way to class. Like, Jeffrey, you can do it. You can ask her today. And I would set in my mind, I'm going to do it today. And I start walking. The confidence in the world, I'm going to do it. But then I start getting afraid. And then I start shaking. And all of a sudden, I run away. I'm about to fall on this carpet. I, I run away. And I, I could not do this. Then my best friend growing up, his uh, name's Sean. He's coming down to Atlanta to visit me. The Reds were also in town, so he's probably visiting them. Um, he told me, we'd been talking back and forth about this. He said, Jeffrey, if you don't ask her before I get here, I'm going to ask her for you. And I thought, I can't let this happen again. I got to be a man. So we were sitting in Friday class that day. My friend was getting there that afternoon. The only time I think I was thinking of that Friday was I'm asking her. 
So as soon as class ended, my wife Mackenzie, she, at, just at the time she was just Mackenzie, she wa- walked straight out to her car, and I'm like, I gotta follow her, you know? So I just like creepily followed her as she walked to her car. She was reaching in to get something in her car, and I promise you, it took like 10 minutes. I just sat there awkwardly like this, you know what I mean? Like, it was horrible. Finally, she turned around and she saw me, and she was kind of like, took a step back, like, oh my goodness, what is it? You know, and I, I, was, I was shaking literally. And I, I, I got the nerve, and I said, Mackenzie, would you go to lunch with me? And she said, no. I'm 0 for 1. I never asked again. Thankfully, she realized what she was missing out on. And she came begging for another chance, and she's not here to tell you otherwise, okay? But you know, me being with Mackenzie, that was a good thing to do. It really was. She is the best person for me. I could not imagine doing what I do with anyone else but her. She's my best friend. I'm dying without her. You can tell by looking at my display that I need my wife, okay? But even though that was a great thing for me to do, fear was stopping me. It felt like an eternity, but it was only a couple months. Fear was stopping me from being with her. You know, I believe every believer, God's called you to do something. God's or calls this missions conference, laid it on pastor's heart to have it. Because God wants you to do something about the gospel getting around the world. India needs a gospel. South Africa needs a gospel. I almost said Saudi Arabia. Siberia needs the gospel. The, world, the gospel's needed all over the world. We need to do something about it. And I would encourage you, whatever God's touching on your heart to do, whether it is to surrender to be a missionary, whether it is to increase your faith in your giving, whether it is to increase the amount you pray for missionaries, whatever God is asking you to do, don't let fear stop you because the devil uses fear to stop many of God's servants from doing what he wants them to do. You see, in the Bible here, we have the story of the children of Israel, and God's telling them in verse number 16 their job, and their job is to go into the promised land, consume all the people, make war with all the nations within the promised land, get rid of them completely. He said, don't leave any of them, any of their influence, their religion behind, because that'll be a snare, a trap to thee. And we know the end of the story. We know Joshua. We know how the story goes. But if you put yourself in the shoes of the children of Israel, just freed slaves that have been wandering around the wilderness, and these people are now to make war with all these established nations, you realize how ludicrous of a, a request that was to make. That's why God knew in verse number 17, they'd say in their heart, how in the world are we going to be able to do this? We're not strong enough. We're not good enough. We're not prepared enough. We don't have the biggest army, the, the best training. We can't do this. What I often notice in my life and many Christians' life is when God calls us to do something, we start focusing on why we can't do it. And we think of all these reasons and all those reasons turn into fear. That's why in verse number 18, God answers it sharply and quickly and says, don't be afraid. That's a really quick answer. They say, how are we going to be able to dispossess them? How are we going to be able to take this land from them and kick them out? How can we do this? But God knew what was really happening in their heart. They were afraid. He says, thou shalt not be afraid of them. And you see, in this text, I see two things that God tells the children of Israel to do to overcome fear. And yes, I said two things. Everybody say amen. I didn't get one. I'm so sad. Only two points, right? Uh, The first thing in verse number 18, the Bible says, thou shalt not be afraid of them, but 
So don't be afraid. Instead, but shall well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. The great temptations which Sinai saw and the signs and the wonders and the mighty hand and the stretched out arm whereby the Lord thy God brought thee out. So shall the Lord thy God do unto all the people whom thou art afraid. Verse 20, moreover, the Lord thy God will send a hornet among them until they are left and hide themselves from thee, be destroyed. You know what he says in verse number 18? He says, don't be afraid, but he doesn't stop there. He says, don't be afraid, but remember what God has done in the past. Remember what he did to Pharaoh? Remember the great temptations your eyes saw? Remember that stretched out arm when Moses stretched his arm out across the river? God caused the wind to come in and he parted the Red Sea. They walked across on dry ground. Remember all those great miracles that God performed to get you out of Egypt? Remember all those things. In verse 20, you can trust he's going to do it again. You know, he doesn't just work in the past. God works in the future. It says, moreover, the Lord thy God will... And simplify it. He will do it again. He will miraculously work. He will work through your life. He will do it again. The question for us today is why do we let fear stop us from doing what God wants us to do? God works in our lives. He's worked in the past. And oftentimes we focus on our fear and we focus on all the reasons we can't do what God wants us to do. We focus on all the reasons why we will fail if we try. But if instead of focusing on all those things, we just stopped a minute we just started thinking about God and how he's worked on the past and know he's going to work in the future, we wouldn't be thinking about our fear anymore. You know, we serve a God who answers prayers, don't we? We were in India, my wife and I, my wife was pregnant the whole time we were there. We found out a couple weeks before we left that she was pregnant. We're like, well, we're still going to do it. And uh, it it was a lot of fun. Brought a lot of different interesting experiences. Well, one day we were going out to my friend Chundin's village, and uh, he lived a few hours a few hours outside the city. And but the night before, we didn't realize this, but my wife had gotten food poisoning. She ate Mexican nachos in Delhi, India, and it just didn't work. Go shock, go figure, right? Big shocker. Well, we had been going. She she had a lot of morning sickness that pregnancy, but we, this time it was just really we knew something was wrong. She was sicker than a dog. I could tell you several stories, but the pastor already, you know, whetted our appetite for that Sunday morning, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, all these, she was in a, a mess of a situation. And the end of the day, I, I said to my friend Chun, I was like, Chun, is there a place we could sleep? The family we were staying with was very nice, and they gave us this brand new room they just built. Because they got a brand new bed for this brand new room, and it was mostly private, except for where there was a window, because it used to be outside. And every once in a while, they would look in and see us laying there on the bed. Um, but you know, we're laying there and we had an exhausting day. And I remember laying in that sigh of relief that, you know, when you hit, you had an exhausting day and you hit your bed, the absolute like comfort you feel. Well, we did that. And all of a sudden we started hearing a buzzing noise and then we started going like this and this. And you know, in India, there's over a billion people, but in that night in that room, there was over a billion mosquitoes and they were eating us alive. And we were rolling to to and fro. India's hot, but we had T-shirts over our face, T-shirts over our feet, covered in the blankets. And we were just absolutely miserable. My wife, I believe, was crying next to me. And I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking, Lord, I need you to get rid of these mosquitoes. 
What a stupid prayer request, right? God doesn't care about mosquitoes. Now I'm thinking like, Lord, we need rest. I need you to get rid of these mosquitoes. Well, we're tossing back and forth a couple hours into the night. We're not getting any relief. Of, and it's just absolutely miserable. It's like, it was like the biggest torment ever. Finally, one time I roll over, and all of a sudden we hear a big <laughs> crack. I broke the bed. Three Indian ladies sleep on that bed every night. My fat American body broke it in two hours. I asked my friend Chundin to come in. I didn't know what to do. And I was like, Chundin, I broke the bed. He's like, oh, no, sir, this is very bad. You know, he's not encouraging at all. He's like, this is not good. So finally, we called the family in, and it was not a big deal to them. They're like, don't worry about it. Tomorrow we'll cut down a tree. We'll make out a new piece of wood. We'll put it there, and it'll be good as new. But they moved us to another room, and this room had this really sturdy-looking table, and they looked at it, and they looked at me, and they said, this will be more sturdy for you. And I was like, okay. But right before they walked out of the room that day, they said, I could see them talking. All of a sudden, they said, we need to do something to get rid of the mosquitoes for them. And I was like, yes. And they brought out God's miracle. You may have seen it. It's like a little brown coil thing. And you light it on one end, and it slowly burns for hours and hours and hours. All the mosquitoes went away. You know why? Because God cares about us. God answers prayers. God works miracles in our lives, doesn't he? God brings us through situations where we don't see a way out. God works in areas where we don't even imagine there's a possible solution to the problem we're facing because we serve a God who loves us and works in our lives. And oftentimes God asks us to step out in faith and do something for him, but we sit so much time worried about why we will fail, worried about why it won't work. We get so afraid, but if we just took a moment, instead of focusing on our fear, we focus on the God who saved us who's worked in our life, who's done miracles time and time again, and we knew and remembered that and trusted he would do it in the future, we wouldn't be afraid. We serve a great God. The first reason we shouldn't fear or a way to overcome fear is to remember God's worked in the past and he'll work in the future. Verse number 21, the Bible says, Thou shalt not be affrighted at them. No, don't be afraid. He says, for the Lord thy God is among you, a mighty God and terrible. And the Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee by little and little. You know, the first thing he says, don't be afraid. Remember what God's done in the past. He'll do it in the future. The second thing he says, don't be afraid. Remember God's with you. He says, he said, for, don't, be, don't, don't be affrighted at them. For the Lord thy God is among you. He's with you. The Bible says that God's a friend that sticketh closer than the brother. He's the one that will neither leave us nor forsake us. He's there with us forever. And verse 22 says, And the Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee by little and little. I love verse number 22. It's actually my favorite verse in the, the chapter. And the reason I love it is because if you compare verse 22 and verse number 16, they almost seem like contradictions. Verse 16 says, thou shalt go and consume, that, or thou shalt consume all the people, right? Verse 22, it says, the Lord thy God will put out those nations. This is what he says. He says, go and do this. I'm going to go and do that. You know, he tells them to do it, but then he says, I'm with you, and I'm going to do the work through you. 
Because God doesn't just call us to do something. If he's calling you into missions or full-time service, he doesn't call you into that to go do it by yourself. He calls you so he can go with you and do the work through you. If God's called you to increase your faith in any given way, God doesn't just say, go out and do this and good luck making ends meet. God says, go out and do this and I'm with you. I want to do something through you. With God, we can't lose, which is a great blessing for a kid from Cincinnati. You know why? Because I'm used to losing. I'm a big Reds fan. You know the last time the Reds won a World Series, I was negative three? The last time the Bengals won a Super Bowl was never. Joe Burrow's going to change it. But right now, it's never. The last time the Bearcats won a, ba- a national championship in basketball, was, my dad was negative seven. And football, I don't even want to talk about that. We almost had an undefeated season. We had the ball with, on the fourth quarter against Georgia in the Peach Bowl. We were in the big show. We were up 21 to 10 in the fourth quarter with the ball. And we lose by a 53-yard field goal beats us. You know why? Because we're Cincinnati. We lose. But you know what's exciting? When I step out and I do something for God, I don't have to worry about losing. I don't have to worry about that. Because it's not me going out and doing the work. It's God that does the work through us. We go to India, and he'd be honest with you, there's a lot of things we could be afraid of. The language is rather intense. Uh, Hindi is the language we'll be learning. There's a lot that goes into it. The government, the BJP party that's in control right now is anti-Christian, anti-Muslim, anti-anything that's, uh, that's not Hindu. We could be afraid of that. We could be afraid of all the different, you know, diseases that might be there in India. And you walk in the streets and, you know, there's some areas you walk and there might be open sewage on the side of the road. And we could sit there and we could think of all these reasons and be afraid of them. But the truth is, we don't have to be afraid because when we step foot off that plane and when we arrive in Delhi, India, we can step with confidence because God's called us. He's going to do the work through us. But if God's called you to do something, he didn't call you to push you out there to do it by yourself. He called you so he could work in your life. There's a story I love in, the, in Second Chronicles. It's kind of a sad story, to be honest. In chapter number 16, we have the, we have the end of King Asa. Asa was a good guy. He did a lot of good things. Won battles, trusted God. But something weird happens in the beginning of chapter 16. He, he kind of, instead of trusting God, he, I, I don't know, maybe he got comfortable. Maybe he got complacent. Maybe he got proud and cocky. But in chapter 16, he runs into a problem. And instead of asking God for help, he goes and figures it out himself. And to be honest with you, it all works out. His problem was solved. But God sends his prophet to come talk to him and chastise him. And in the middle of this chastisement, we learn something about God in 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse number 9. The prophet says to King Asa, he says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them. His heart's perfect toward them. Herein thou hast done foolishly, for thenceforth thou shalt have wars. You know what he tells them? He says, God is simply looking for an individual. His eyes are going all around the world, looking for someone. He's looking for a man. He's looking for a woman. It doesn't say, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for that one strong individual who could just accomplish any task put before them. 
That's not what the verse says. Although God could use whoever he wants. The Bible says for the eyes are, God's eyes are looking all over the world. It says here to show himself strong on the behalf of them. You know, God's eyes are looking all over the world. I believe every time we come here and we meet here at the church, God's eyes are looking up and down the rows of these seats saying, who in here will let me use them? Maybe not who's the strongest and most capable person, but who can I show myself strong on their behalf? Who's going to just step out with a perfect heart towards me and do what God or do what I want them to do? Who will do that? I believe there's some in here, probably most of us in here, God is speaking us to do something. We might be afraid because, you know, the current events. There's a lot of things that are happening, right? A lot of those things can be put into us, and maybe we think, I need to take a step back and just let this all play out. Maybe we're afraid because of some other way. But the truth is, if God's speaking to you to do something for him, whether it's seemingly big or small, whatever God is speaking you to do, surrender and do it. Fear should not be in our lives. God hath not given us the spirit of fear. He's given us power, love, and a sound mind. Instead of our fear, let's remember what God's done in the past. Let's know he'll work in the future. Instead of being afraid, let's remember God's with us, and he's going to do the work through us. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. Lord, I thank you for working in our lives. I thank you for using us.